not in a location. Uh, I started to like look for other places to find my identity, and I was just like, I was like mad. I was like Rachel, you spend your whole life like doing this well. At least you think you have, and you've like made it. You know, you like you just reached contentment. And I think the Lord was just like Rachel. Everything you have is from me, and your identity is in, in me, and not in all of these ways that you love your life, or even like how you think people perceive you. And so, actually, Gabby came to pray over me, and she just spoke words that were like, yeah, the comparison, that's like a huge piece of my life right now where I'm trying to work through it. And so, I say those things just to say, I, I like I haven't arrived. <laughs> like, I'm kind of in the middle of this right now with you. And so, I just want to say that as we're kind of going into like, how do we, how do we kind of return to the Father's house? I'm also like returning to the Father's house myself. Um, so I want to talk about two words, freedom and desire. Jenna talked about how the father will see of us freedom. He put sandals on her feet. I just thought that was such a beautiful image. And the Lord wants us to be free too. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be happy. And freedom actually comes from embracing and accepting reality. Like that's where it comes from. I don't know how many times in prayer I've been like, there's this big thing I'm thinking about, but I go to prayer and I like don't talk to the Lord about it. And then I'm like, Lord, I can't hear you. It's like, I wonder why I can't hear him. I'm not bringing him my reality, whatever it is that I'm dealing with. So freedom is being able to be fully yourself in reality, in real life. And what is reality? Well, it's a lot of things, but it's the circumstances of our life. So it's like state in life, career, relationships, where you live, um, what you do with your time, all those big things, but it's also your weakness, your struggle, um, the thing you think about, the thing your mind just wanders to all the time, or tendencies, things you wish weren't a struggle for you. Um, and like I said, for myself, it changes in different seasons what my struggle is or what my tendencies are. Um, but acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that these things are real and we have to go to the Lord and say, I, I'm struggling with this. And if we want to overcome them, that's what we have to do. We have to accept that it's reality, accept that these things are real and that we're struggling with them. We also have to accept the reality that Jesus saves us, that he actually has come to save us. And so we have to do both of those things in order to be free, in order to have freedom. And he also wants us to have freedom in our desires. Um, we need to be real and honest about them. Uh, I had a homily once by uh, a priest in our diocese, and he talked about, he was talking about the anointing of Bethany, which is a beautiful passage about him being anointed, and this woman just pouring out all of her, all of her kind of worldly everything, identity, money, all of it, to him. And this is what he said about it. He said, this breaking of the jar is giving to Jesus our deepest affection. It's entrusting to Jesus our deepest desires for intimacy. This is such a vulnerable act. Jesus will never be ashamed when we give him what's deepest. He'll never be ashamed when we give him what's deepest. And I think, for me at least, this area of desire, like desiring things, whatever that is, I mean, We've been talking a lot about vocation in a maze, so that 
vocation, but also uh, relationships, also um, a career that fulfills you, whatever it is, like the Lord wants to know what that is, and entrusting it to him is a good thing, it is the right thing. He, he wants to know it, and he loves it. He loves that we have desires. He wants us to have desires for good things. Um, I want to tell a story of someone I know who has had a desire for a long time and hasn't come to fulfillment in her life. So she's this amazing woman. She's from Scotland, where I'm from, and I've known her my whole life. And she's, I think like she's in her mid-50s. And she's single. She's never, she's never been married. And she's not consecrated, she just isn't married. And she, she, one, she just has an amazing life. Like, she's an incredible teacher. She does really cool things. She travels. She, like, loves art. Like, she just has created a very full life. But I remember a couple years ago, I was home on a visit, and I was at her house. And she, it was really cool. She, she just looked at me and she said, you know what, Rachel? If you never get married, you're going to be okay. And I think there was a moment of grace for me to accept it. <laughs> I think if any other moment someone had said that to me, I'd be like, but she said it from a place of reality. She said it from a place of she's she was living that reality. And she could say that to me because I was also living that reality. And I believed her. And she said to me, I, she said, it's not like I don't want to get married. I desire that. But that desire is so bound up in my relationship with the Lord that it's kind of, it's like made me who I am. Like, if I didn't have that desire that I had brought to the Lord and he hadn't spoken into it, I would be a different person. And so she saw it as something really precious, not as something to like run away from or be afraid of. She learned to accept that this was a desire and she learned how to, to hear what the Lord had to say to her. And, it, and I just thought that was so beautiful that she didn't use it as something as a tool to kind of keep the Lord away, but it was a tool to bring him in. Um, so Mary Teresa is her name, and she's a legend. Um, so freedom and desire, freedom comes from accepting a reality, wherever that is, and that includes our desires too. I, I want to talk about how, this is cool actually, because it's the gospel for tomorrow, and I didn't know until it was read out. <laughs> but all I really wanted to say was, we are made to abide in the Lord and with him. And it's good for us to recognize the things that like take us away from him. We did that today. We kind of looked at, what are the, where are the places I go? Where are my tendencies to go um, when I walk away from the Father's house? And just to say, abiding, it's not always like this work wrapped and like this insane, like just lightning bolt and we just break free and the Lord comes and saves us. It's actually as we grow in maturity, we can begin to recognize while we're kind of walking out the Father's house. You know, it's not like we just end up in these, some things we do, but as we get older, as we get more mature, as we even become more self-aware, which I'm sure we all are to some extent, um, we can kind of see like, oh, I think I'm kind of walking out right now. Like I'm walking towards that house and we can return back to him. And so I think this abiding in, in the Father, in the Lord, um, it can happen a lot of different ways, but I think abiding means knowing, knowing ourselves, knowing our tendencies, and returning to Him. When we, when we find ourselves kind of like drifting away, 
making sure that we turn back to him. Okay, I want to go back to the prodigal son. We started there, and we're going to kind of end there. Um, and what I'm going to say is, like, pretty much all I'm saying is stuff you've heard before. So I'm not going to, like, say anything new, but I just think it's good to remember, and it's good to hear things again, at least for me. I'm, I'm always like, give me the basics again, again, again. So I want to talk about the two sons, the younger son and the older son. And both of them left the father's house in some way. One physically and one emotionally. There's probably a lot of different ways you could describe that, but I am choosing to say one physically and one emotionally. And I want to like unpack a little bit about what that looked like for each of them. I think like Jenna was saying, like we can kind of identify with one or the other. Um, and I just want to go through each of them and what might have been driving them away from the father's house and also give some like practical tips um, as to what might help us to remain in the father's house if we're experiencing these tendencies. So the first one is the younger son. And a lot of what I'm saying comes from the book Return of the Prodigal Son um, by Henry Nowen. It's very good. I would recommend. Um, and so a lot, a lot of that, what I'm going to say comes from that. So the younger son, his struggles, like what were his tendencies, what were the things that kind of drove him away from the father's house? Uh, the first one, I would say, is he was deaf to the voice of love. I think he maybe had forgotten what the father's voice sounded like, or he chose not to hear it. Either way, he, I don't think that the voice of love was the one that guided him through his life. Um, the one that called him beloved, that spoke to him about who he was, for some reason, he he forgot that voice and he couldn't hear it anymore. I think he also started searching for things where they couldn't be found. Obviously, he went to a far off land to look for, I don't know, pleasure, fulfillment, happiness. And we know that he didn't, he didn't find them there. Not, I mean, maybe temporarily, yes, but not permanently. And for me, I kind of see this in like, I look for affirmation in other people, or I look for love in other people or other things um, that aren't in the Lord. And it's okay to want to be like, liked. You don't want to go around and be like, it doesn't matter if everybody hates me. It's like, that's not realistic. But <laughs> am I listening to like the voice of the Father? And am I rooted in my identity as his daughter? Um, so you're searching where it can be found, his fulfillment can be found. I think he also wanted to just go out on his own. I think he was probably like a curious person and he just like wanted to see other things and see the world. Maybe he was really trapped. Um, I think he also struggled with comparison in a way. I feel like this is half the struggle and half other things, but he, I don't think he was vulnerable about his desires. <laughs> with his father. I wonder, uh, I'm just thinking, but I wonder if he thought them all in his head. I didn't actually say anything to his father. I wonder what it would have been like if he had gone to his father and said, these are all things I'm feeling. Like, these are all things I'm experiencing. I don't know what his father would have said. I don't know if anything would have been different. But I don't, I don't know if he did that. Sounds like he just said, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And I wonder what would have been different if he'd actually his father and waited to listen to that voice of love to speak to him. What would have happened? So those are some of the struggles I think. 
and Henry Nevin also thinks that the Empress Nana Jones might be. And I just want to talk about some some antidotes, some some practicals that might just help um, us if we struggle with those things too. If we identify with those things, like the first one, the most obvious one, is time with Father. Time with Father. So. He wants to talk to you about it. He, want, he, he wants to know all the stuff. He already knows all the stuff, but he wants you to tell him. Um, he, yeah, he wants his voice to be the one that you, that you hear, the one that actually speaks to you in a way that changes you, in a way that informs how you live your life. Um, but you need, you need to be quiet, and you need to be still to hear it. I think voices of the world are pretty loud, they're pretty seductive. They're attractive. Like the things um, Gabby was talking about. There's all these things that just like it brings you in. And the voices of the world, they can tell us a lot of things about ourselves that we want to hear. But the voice of the Father is peaceful, it's consistent, and it's true. It's peaceful and consistent and true. And I think if we spend time with the Father and listen to his voice, that's going to create a deep foundation that all the storms it's going to be really hard for our house to fall down or whatever analogy you want to use a tree, I don't know um, <laughs> also I would say read scripture attend the sacraments, confession confession where we hear the voice of the Lord, we hear mercy from the Father and we experience it uh, talk to your sisters we're all here be honest with one another. And I've loved our testimonies, Kateri. Thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for sharing your struggle with us. And the Lord's called us here, and I think He wants to use each of us to help one another. But it means we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest with each other. I would also say, like, it's, I don't think anyone would say this, but I think it's good. Um, <laughs> Find what you're passionate about. Think like, get curious about yourself. I think if you're feeling kind of like trapped or like, oh, like I want, I want something new or I want to like just run away or whatever. Like, God is creative. Like He made the whole world, and so He He creates new things. That's just like what He does. And I think if you're kind of feeling like I don't really know what I want something new, but I don't know what it is. Like, talk to Him about it, and then also just like get curious. Get curious about. It. Him, about the Lord. It cares about your life, about who He's made you to be. You're such an interesting and unique person. You'll never get to the bottom of like who you are. But the Lord knows. And so I would say, like, if you're yeah, if you're like bored with your life or you're feeling the urge to like do something crazy, like bring that to the Lord and ask Him, like, Lord, what do you want me to dream about? Like, what are your dreams for my life? What vision do you have for my life? Like He wants us to dream. And he wants us to dream with him, not like as an escape from our reality, but he wants to give us vision for our life. And he's imaginative. Like, he created the world. He created each of us individually. Like, he has way more imagination than we can ever have. So let's ask him. Let's ask him, like, what are your dreams for my life? Like, help me to dream. Okay, that's the younger son. There's probably a lot more I can say, but that's all I'm going to say. Um, feel free to talk about it. Amongst yourselves, if you have ideas of things that might help with, with his struggles. Now I want to talk about the older son. Um, I, I think I identify more with the older son, for sure, but I'm also the younger son sometimes too. But I want to walk 
through a little bit of what was he going through? What were his struggles? Um, I think the first one, this, and Henry Newman talks about this in his book, he's talking about the Rembrandt portrait of the return of the prodigal son, and um, the older son is standing behind with his hands clasped. And that's all he says, he's standing with clasped, clasped hands. And I think this means a lot of things, but I kind of want to bring out the, the kind of, the rule follower in him. Um, like, he did all the right things. He, he fulfilled all of his obligations. He was faithful. Um, like, and I think the clasped hands speaks to maybe scrupulosity, I don't know. But like this kind of like control of like, these are the things I do for my father. And like, this is how I earn his love. And um, this is the way to earn his love. So if anyone else does it differently, maybe it's hard for him to recognize that people are loved by the Father if they don't, you know, if they do things differently. And I think this is how he kind of wandered away from the Father's house. He fulfilled all of his obligations, but he became kind of like unhappy and unfree. I don't think he was really free in his, in his duties. Well, I think the word duty and obligation says a lot. Um, and I think one way to know, like, is this me? Is this maybe something I struggle with? Is ask yourself, how do you respond when you see your own weakness? Like, how does it, how do you respond when you are kind of face to face with your own struggle? And I think if you find it really hard to be compassionate with yourself when you experience your own struggle, that may be something that you feel, find difficult with other people too. Um, I think often if we're not kind to ourselves, it's like, that has, kind of has to start there. And I think that's what the older brother struggled with. I think he was also lost in resentment. Um, I certainly experienced this, like envy in comparison. Um, maybe he was like, like, like the kind of life his brother lived, you know? He just was kind of wild and he did crazy things. And maybe there was a bit of envy there, like, I wish I had the guts to like be crazy, you know, even if it was wrong, you know. I wish I had the yeah, the guts to like go away and do something different or um or like how come he got to do all of those things and still be received back into the father's house. Um his duty has become like a burden or a weight that's just really hard for him to carry. Um and he also like he's unable to celebrate. That's really sad. Like I don't think he has a lot of joy. Um when he sees other people celebrating, he can't enter in because his heart is bitter and he's become resentful. And I think this comes from a lot of things, but this this heart that feels like it didn't receive what it was due. Like I put in all this work and I've followed you all these years and I'm not getting what I deserve. And I think the last thing I want to say about the older son is I think he lives life. He doesn't live out of relationship or out of true writing, but through doing the right things. Um, and I think that's a, that's a slippery slope. Um, and I think that's what we see at the end of the story, that his relationship with his father, it wasn't, I don't know if it, how, how good it was, or how much he was really honest with his father about the things he was experiencing. So, struggle, those are struggles. To practicals, they'll probably be kind of similar to the other ones because the other ones are good and basic and it's good stuff. So again, time with the father. I think um, 
One thing that's helpful is probably like recognizing or trying to recognize our motivations for things that we do, um, like our service and our good works. Like, do we place our identity in those? Um, or do we tend to do that? I think that's a good thing to ask and a good thing to bring to the Father. He wants to talk to you about it. Like, he, yeah, he loves you. And he loves that you do good things for him, but he loves you more than he loves the things that you do. Um, again, vulnerability, be honest with your sisters. I think comparison is a thief of joy and also it's a barrier to true relationship. And so think with your sisters, I would say if you want to like combat that, be vulnerable and be honest with one another about what you're going through because it probably one of your other sisters is going through the same thing and you can help each other with it. I would also say like serve, like look for places to serve. And I know this might seem funny coming from like the older son who like probably lives a very, um, a life of service. Um, but I mean like ask the Lord, like, how do you want me to serve, Lord? How do you want me to serve you? Am I doing the things you want me to do? And just ask him that question. Look for opportunities to give yourself away. If you're feeling like my hands are clasped, like, look for opportunities to open them that maybe will be outside of yourself, um, that you won't be able to keep them closed, that you'll have to serve in some way. And then I think another one would be gratitude. Uh, remembering, remembering the works of the Lord, and I think that's that's where we all come in is remembering the works of the Lord for one another, like in small groups, saying like I saw the Lord work in your life in this way, or rejoicing over something that He does. I think that's really important key to gratitude is remembering what the Lord has done and kind of placing that hope into the future, knowing Father, you are good and you have done the good things for me. I think even like being able to worship together, it just, for me, it totally orients my whole self to something other than me. And that is such a relief because I just spend all my time thinking about myself. And, you know, when you're able to, to face the cross and just worship the Lord, it's like, okay, this feels right and this feels like the right orientation for my life. So I would say practice gratitude, whatever way it's helpful for you to practice it. Um, okay, that was the younger son and the older son. We are almost done. Um, but I would encourage you to talk about that in our small groups. Um, you know, is there, is there a piece of that that you identify with that you're thinking, like, I actually kind of like to work on this, I want accountability. I think accountability is also really helpful. Um, so I would encourage you to bring those things back to your small groups. The last thing I want to say is um, we're all here. And the Lord has called each of us here for one another. I don't know for how long. It could be like for another year, it could be for many years, but I think reality is that we're here now. We don't know the future. And the Lord has placed each of us together now, and I think we really have an opportunity and in some ways a duty to, to one another to help us get back to the Father's house. We can't do it alone, Jesus, does it for us, he takes our hand. We also need sisters. And I was kind of thinking about it. Um, uh, thinking about uh, my own experience of sisterhood. And I've had many experiences in my life. But I was talking to someone recently, someone in my small group, who, you know, I've been in her small group for like three years. And I recently had 
like one aspect of my life change. And it was funny because when she found out, she was like, I'm really happy for you because I know this has been a struggle for you this whole year. And I was like, really? Like, I don't know. I just was like, you know, I felt really seen and known, but I was also like surprised. I was like, you know that about me? And I was like, well, one, I'm sharing a Reddit small group, so yeah, like she's like the thing. She's actually thinking of me. And two, she probably sees right through me. I'm like, things are fine, like things are good. And she's just like, I know. I don't <laughs> And what did she do? She didn't like berate me for it. She didn't say like, you're not being like, look at all these things you're not saying to us. She actually could see it. And she recognized that what I needed was just someone to, was someone to walk with, she, like to walk towards the father's house with. And then she was able to rejoice with me and say, I saw you in all of those things and I'm rejoicing that you're here now. And I think that's what we want to do from one another is say, I see you in all the things you're going through. And let's like, Let's walk back together. And the the kind of image I had was rejoicing. I just feel like the Lord wants joy for us. He wants us to give people of joy. And I just had this sense of us all singing, like, man, worship is thank you for the worship team. Can we give him like a round of applause? It was it's just been so beautiful to worship and thank you for leading us. It's been amazing. And I was thinking about what does rejoicing feel like? It feels like that. It feels like worship. And I was thinking of you know, all of us in our houses or wherever we are on the path to or from the Lord's house, like, and, and the woman returning to the father's house singing. And like, what if we were in that house of like anxiety and fear and like through the walls we could hear music and we could hear song and like in hearing that song we were like, oh my gosh, I remember. Yeah. Like I remember what the father's house feels like and I remember what it sounds like. I just had that sense for us as, as this group, like, the Lord wants us to rejoice with one another as we go to the palace house and as we rejoice, we're going to call each other out of those houses and we're going to be people that remind each other of the goodness of the palace house and what it feels like and what it, what it sounds like so that we don't have to try and get out of there alone and the Lord can actually use each of us to bring us out of those places too. Like He comes to save us but he also uses all of us think to bring us to holiness and to bring us to his house together and so that's my encouragement um as we end is don't be afraid of yourself you're beautiful and unique and all of your good things and your weaknesses like the lord knows all of them and he wants to anything that kind of came up this weekend he wants to go there with you you're not banished to those houses by yourself to figure it out like He's come to save you from those things. And also, he wants us to be joyful. Like, he wants joy for us. And so, let's, let's be women who are joyful, who remind each other what the Father sounds like. Um, that's all. I just love you guys. And, and I would say, like, yeah, we're here now. Now is what's important. And let's just be the Father to one another, sisters to one another. Woo! Yeah.